Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show presents the Weekend Preview. Yes. And we're talking UFC Vegas 60, Corey Sanhagen versus Song Yadong. Song in the first main event of his UFC career, and he must enter Sandman Mm. and go one-on-one with one of the brightest and best in the Bantamweight division in Corey Sandhagen. We're also recapping week eight of Dana White's Contender Series, and a previously canceled main event has been rebooked for the end of the year. All of this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Hello. Thank you for joining us. Episode 237 of the show. Of course, I am one half of your hosting duo. I'm Noah Baker, the man to my right. Some would say my better half. My right hand, my go-to. I also named my right hand after him, Dominic Salee. How are you doing, Dominic? What? I don't really know how to think about that one, but we're just going to roll with it. I'm doing well, my friend. I guess I feel a little bit honored that you named your right hand after me for more reasons than not. I just won't get into it, but I'm excited. at a good level, boys. Yeah, yeah. Low T, no more. Anyway, <clears throat> so I'm feeling good. I'm feeling energetic. We've got a great episode today. A really good, dare I say, a hardcore fight fan should really enjoy this weekend's UFC card. We're going to talk about a good chunk of them. A lot of Noah fun fact here in case I don't get into it later. The record for most Dana White's Contender Series fighters on a card will happen this Saturday. 13 fighters on this card are from the show. Of course, we're going to break down uh, week eight of that show here in a few minutes as well. I'm feeling great. You're looking great. Are you feeling great as well? That just brought a big old smile to this to this face. No, I, I appreciate it, Dom. I'm glad to hear you're doing well. I'm also doing great. I mean, shout out to the Broncos and Seahawks, you know, for kind of stinking up the joint in the second half. There is absolutely zero reason that under 45 should have hit. The Broncos fumbled twice on the one-yard line. Yeah. I mean, I, it was a miracle. Yeah. I mean, Geno Smith be damned. He was really trying to, yeah. to, you guys need to follow me on Twitter. I mean, I am, I am, I've learned how to track photos on videos. Like I'm, I'm out here really doing some, some stuff that I feel like is not getting enough credit, but I'm going to keep going, damn it. Because that's oh, what yeah. I know how to do. Oh yeah. But as far as the card this weekend, I think that a lot of people are overlooking this card. I think the main events, of course, getting proper, well, I don't know proper, but it's, should be looked at as a pretty high-level yeah. main event. And I think, in a way, it is. It it does have stakes, considering this Bantamweight tournament or, or Grand Prix, you want to, whatever you want to call it, that the UFC have sort of put together. Um, it's the next portion of that. And I think there's a lot of good fights underneath it. None that feel like... Maybe none that feel like they should be on like a main card on a pay-per-view, necessarily. But mm-hmm. just a lot of fights that I would love. If I was buying a pay-per-view and I saw these on the prelims, oh, man, I'd be feeling like I'm getting my money's worth. Because I think there's a lot yeah. of good fights on here. Yeah. And some that we're not even going to talk about just because there's not enough to really preview. But right. hopefully for the recap, we might even have more. Who knows? Very true. Very true. Um, 
But Dominic, before we hop into that main event, I want to remind everybody about Points Bet Sports Book. Please do. Yeah, it's got to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, they are the official betting partner of the Below Average Joe's MMA show, and they have an exclusive offer for you. Mm. That's right, you. Right now, if you sign up for Points Bet Sportsbook on your initial deposit, Points Bet is going to match 100%. Up to $2,000. What an offer, Dom. Wow. Some would say an offer you can't refuse. Some would say that. Some would say the best offer on the market. Mm. People are asking. People are talking. Yeah. Now, there's two ways to get this offer. One, you can go into the link in the episode. (laughs) This part always screws me up. If you go into the link and the description of yes. today's episode yeah. or if you go to our bios on twitter or instagram um you just go there you sign up put in your deposit boom yada yada bang boom bop beep it's there gabagool Se- secondly if you want to just download the points bet sportsbook app you can you can take a look around see if you like it does it feel cozy is it kind of like you know you go into a furniture store you're kind of filling out the furniture you like checking the lines you're like <laughs> kind of like this one yeah yeah the way i like the way it sits uh you can do that you sign up there you got to make sure you type in code mma joes say that one more time oh did i not say it loud enough mma joes beautiful at sign up and you get that offer so make sure to go right now Mm -hmm. let them know the joe sent you Uh uh-huh we love points bet sportsbook around here yes the handshake emoji Firm handshakes. But let's get into the main event of UFC Vegas 60. High-level shit here, Noah. And I should also mention, all the odds that are on your screen right now, if you're watching on YouTube, come from Points Bet Sportsbook for today's, uh, or for this weekend's UFC event. So Corey Sanhagen, now minus 200. That, that line has climbed, because I'm looking mm-hmm. at my sheet here that I put together a couple days ago. and yeah. uh, He was only a minus 175, so now he's up to a minus 200. Two to one now as Song Yadong making his first venture into the main event scene is at a plus 160. So uh, as far as these odds go, Dominic, how are you kind of feeling about this? Because Corey Sanhagen is on back-to-back losses. He did lose um, in his last, was his last fight to Peter Yan, correct? Yeah, it's been almost a year. That was for the interim title at Abu Dhabi late last year. Before that, he was in a main event with TJ Dillashaw, who was making his long-awaited return, and he lost a very, very close and, dare I say, very controversial decision. Mm-hmm. But that's two losses in a row, while Song Yudong, of course, has been on a tear as of late. Um, I remember the knockout of uh, Marlon Marais. He put Marlon Marais into retirement, yeah. uh, among others, so... When you look at these lines, do you feel like it's a pretty accurate representation of this fight? Or has Song Yudong got a little more bite in him than that? I do think Song's obviously got more bite. He's got that power to put people away. But I think it makes sense. I think it comes down to the competition. I really think that's the deciding factor in these odds. You look at Corey Sanhagen, he's just been looked at as a future champion for many years at this point. He's been fighting current and former champions of this division. He's been relatively active. So I, I think that's the biggest thing in this. Outside of that, though, it's not that Song Yudong can't compete here with Corey Sanhagen. They're giving him this fight six spots up in the rankings for a reason. This is the biggest jump that Song's ever had. Um, you know, he's going to get a chance to catapult into title contention right here in his first ever main event. 
Um, so yeah, I think this is a really good fight. This is super high level. Song is becoming better and better with each fight, Noah. He's eight one and one in the company, nineteen and six and one overall. He's only twenty four years old. The fact that he's that young and has ten UFC fights in the deepest division in the UFC, that's impressive stuff, man. So I don't think he's biting off more than he can chew. I think he deserved this opportunity. It's just a matter of can he get it done? Is he ready? That's what we're going to get to see because Corey Sanhagen has been at this level and above for the last three years, if not more than that now. So big test for Song, but I do believe he deserves it. The lines make sense. Interested to hear what you think. Yeah, um, Song Yudong has really been a guy on everybody's radar for a long time. I mean, this guy came into the UFC at, what, 21 years old? Yeah, it's crazy. 20 years old? I mean, he was so young. But you every year ESPN releases like a like a top fighters under whatever age list, and he's always yeah. at the top. He's like at the yeah. very top. And I I would actually go out on a limb to say that up until the last year or so, I've always been sort of lukewarm on that. I fight. would agree. I, yeah. I felt like he he was good. He was very good for his age, but in terms of being one of the best at like being under i forget what that age was like under 27 it's, or it's like, like top 25 under 25 yeah okay so he, he's been like number one or two or three on that list for like three or four years now and for those first couple of years i was i just didn't really see it like and then i looked at some of the names around him and i'm like well i don't think he's better than that guy or that girl i was kind of confused by it all like i thought he was good very good but left a little to be desired yeah. And then this last year, he's really kind of kicked it up a notch. He seems to be improving, which he should be. He's only 24 years old. Um, you are right, though, that it's a tough task here going up against Corey Sanhagen, who is not an old guy by any means, the guy who's in the prime of his career and has fought all of the best in the division, basically, at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a really tough task for a guy who's – just now making that jump into the deep end when you're saying, well, you got to go up against Corey Sanhagen. And this is like your first real main event test, your first test at being like a contender. And you're still an ever developing 24 year old. You're, you're still a kid basically. So um, for Song Yudong, it'll be curious to see if that power can really do anything to Sanhagen, you know, Sanhagen's a tall, lanky guy, mm-hmm. but He's got a hell of a chin. I mean, he t- he's you look at that fight with Peter Yan. I mean, he he ate some real shots in that fight, and yeah, he's been finished. You know, the Aljamain Sterling fight was very one sided, very quick and thorough uh, submission finish for Sterling. But um, he's the champion, of course, and yeah, I don't think that that's the threat here with Song Yudong. So if the power can't land, if those power shots can't land clean, and it's going to be hard to do that when Sanhagen has such great movement such great length, then it's going to be a tough task for Song Yudong to really get anything going here. I could see him getting very um, frustrated by yeah. just the lack of real... I mean, there's a, there's something to being this young, being in this spot, where we're going to really find out about Yudong's composure. Right. And we know Corey Sanhagen has the utmost composure. He was <laughs> asked by Ariel Hawani. You know, how, what, what are your thoughts kind of about dropping two in a row, right? Like, how do you feel about that? And he's like, well, I look at the losses, 
Peter Jan's one of the best in the world. That was for an interim title. Went five rounds with the guy. Yeah. And the TJ Dillashaw, I think he worded it, was one of the most controversial decisions in UFC history. Right. I don't know if it's that. I mean, it's it's definitely controversial, but yeah. you get the point, right? He's not looking too deep into these losses. Like, wins and losses are going to happen. It's MMA. This isn't boxing where one loss almost ends your career sometimes. Like, uh, the wins or losses are going to happen, but if he drops a third one in a row, you know, then the mm-hmm. questions start to come out, right? Because you are correct. This is a guy who's had that championship ceiling sort of drawn out for him, and he just hasn't reached it. And right. it's sort of becoming this, it's only been slight whispers, but when you lose to Sterling, who's the champion, you lose to Jan, who's a former champion and was the interim champion that just lost to Sterling, and TJ, former champion, one of the best to ever do it in division, you're starting to become this narrative building. Yeah. Maybe Corey Sanhagen just can't beat the the best of the best. Yeah. And um, yeah. I don't think this fight will answer that question, but if he's really that hungry and motivated to get back in a position to prove the doubters wrong, he's going to have to make pretty solid work here of Song Yudong. Yeah, I mean, you literally couldn't have said it better. He well, Again, he has that that talent that seems championship caliber, but those times when he's been in that moment to literally even have the title around his waist is when he's fallen short. He loses a number one contender fight to Aljo. He loses a number one contender fight to uh, TJ. Again, that was controversial or however you may have it, but still a loss. And then he loses an interim fight against Peter Jan, one that he did clearly lose. I was my fight of the year. It was an absolutely incredible high level fight but he loses and now he is taking a step back. He's no longer with those killers in the top five, but he's taking a step back to number 10 and Song Yudong, the young rising up and comer. So a loss here does kind of put some pause on, uh Oh, maybe it is true. Maybe that championship level is the level that he can't quite crack the ceiling to get into. He's just a level below that. And I think that's something that Corey Sanhagen, I got really tongue twisted there, does not want to have happen at all. That he wants the narrative to be that he is a future champion and he strongly believes in himself. Very mentally tough guy, Corey is. He seems very Mm -hmm. unbothered by any type of bullshit or drama that may go on in this division. He's very focused. And I would like to say the same for Song Yudong. Granted, he's not had the same... Uh, level of eyes on him if He's you not will not the same set of circumstances right. not the same kind of pressure on him right so can he keep a level-headed mindset going into this how's he going to look in those championship rounds should the fight get there we've seen Corey there we've never seen song get there so there are there's just there's more questions to be answered from song but in a way Corey does have just as many to answer to prove he's still up there too you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I think a lot of a lot of people are giving Corey the benefit of the doubt. Back-to-back losses, yeah. but under those circumstances that I just told you Corey said himself, I think that's what the majority opinion is, is that he's an elite fighter, future champion potential, but just lost a couple fights to really good guys, and one of them yeah. maybe he shouldn't have. You know, it's kind of like that. But if he loses this fight, you know, that would say a lot about Song Yudong and his development True. for sure. But yeah. I don't think the I don't think overall the fan base is prepared for that. Like mm. I think a lot of people still look at Song as being a step behind almost everybody else in this Grand Prix or tournament, you know, whatever, not official, but you know what I'm right, saying. Right, right. 
So if Song Yudong comes in here and wins, and let's say he wins thoroughly, let's say he finishes Corey Sanhagen, you know, I think that those questions will start to come up more or for the first time, really, in Sanhagen's career. And maybe to add on to that, you're right. Maybe we're overlooking too much into, like, you know, this. And because Sanhagen seems to be so mentally durable, so tough, that he doesn't let the bullshit bother him. But, Dominic, what if he is perhaps looking ahead here? Because a lot of big fights in the Bantamweight division going on right now. Like I said, we're literally calling it a tournament, Grand Prix. That means there's a lot of action, a lot of movement going on in this division. I mean, what if Sandhagen's looking at guys like Marlon Vera and Marav Jualish Wheelie, who are having very good wins, and he's going, okay, I got a, one of these guys. Mm. Like, it, I mean, a fight with Marlon Vera sounds like a fucking banger. Yeah. And then he kind of overlooks the guy who's on the back looking in, and Song Yudong, and Song comes in here and kind of shocks everybody. So it's, I do lean pretty heavily to Corey Sandhagen in this fight, but we do have to sort of evaluate these potential circumstances because um, it is important. Um, I do think that Sanhagen will be built for this moment. I think he's ready for this. He's been in bigger moments than this one and has shined. So I don't think the moment will be too bright. I don't think I can say the same for Song Yudong. I think there's mm. potential for him to... Perhaps, like I said, get a little frustrated, let lose some composure, start slipping up, you know, leaving some openings, and uh, Sanhagen really runs away with this thing in the championship rounds. Yeah, that's interesting. It's I think it's going to be a very good fight, man. We're going to get to see where both guys really are right now. Sanhagen's had a long layoff. Song's been active. It's going to he had three fights last year. This is going to be a second of this year and his biggest test yet. I'm excited. This is this really is a high level main event here mm-hmm. in the best Wait. division in the company. You, you went on a limb and said it, and I'm going to join you. We're, we're joining that train. Bantamweight, best division in the UFC. Yeah. We got more on this card to come, but we're going to switch over to a little Dana White's Contender Series that happened Tuesday night, of course. Dominic, we're coming to the tail end here. Week eight. Only two <sighs> more weeks. I know. Then we got to wait another year. Yeah. It's what sad. are you going to do on Tuesdays? I just... I don't really know, Noah. Well, thank God we got our right hands, right? So <laughs> I was going to say it, and you did. So <laughs> that, that what that you just threw in there? Can we get an instant replay on the what that Dom just said? What? That, that didn't even sound like it came from your body. <clears throat> that, sounded well, like, that sounded like a fucking wily Coyote said it. Like, uh, I'm excited well, to hear back now. That was that was great. Uh, week eight of the Contender Series, Dom. I'm actually going to give my quick thoughts here before I kick it to you. I thought it was a great week. Great yeah. week. Five yeah. contracts handed out. Pretty much everybody deserved one. There's been a lot of contracts given out this season, which was something that for the first few weeks I really harped on last season before just kind of finally settling in and realizing, like, it really doesn't matter. Why am I going to act like or try to combat these people who are getting the contracts of a lifetime? Like, it's great moments, you know, whatever. But this season, like, I really can't fault the UFC for the most part for the contracts they've given. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of people really showing out here. Mm-hmm. This is despite the fact week one, you only got one guy who really 
went out there and impressed, and that was Joe Piper. So here in week eight, five fights, every finish I thought was – or every fight, excuse me, I thought was uh, worthy of giving a contract out to. But Dominic, we kind of gave my thoughts. I want to know what stood out to you about this week, which fighter, which fight – which contract, you know, what about this week stood out to you? I'm going to have to go. Yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going Bruna Brazil this week for week mm-hmm. eight. I'm getting major Marina Rodriguez vibes here. No, I really mm-hmm. was okay. last night. Um, and, you know, obviously at this 115-pound division, it's a deep division, but they do need new talent. Here's a breath of fresh air. Uh, you know, a great Muay Thai practitioner, much like Marina, a very similar build to Marina. She didn't quite have the output and combinations that Marina Rodriguez has, but she had the accuracy. She had the timing, the precision, the teep kicks up the body were brutal and nasty. She had good judo throws even, which you haven't really seen much of that from Marina. So maybe in other aspects, she may have some advantages. Obviously, I'm not trying to compare her to a top five girl. She's not there yet. That's just what I was feeling with it. Um, And then to get a brutal head kick knockout like that and put – Marnik man out cold. Ooh, that was just the icing on top of the cake. It felt like while she was doing enough, she was showcasing her high-level striking. You kind of knew, like, if she really wanted to finish this fight, she could find a way to do it. Um, And right there with 27 seconds left in that second round, she found a way to do it. Dana White even went out and said the best female knockout on Dana White Contender Series history. Those words go a long way from the boss man. I'm going Bruno Brazil. Very excited to see what she can do at the 115-pound division, my friend. Yeah, I kind of feel the pressure now that I let you pick your winner the night first because now i got to decide between (laughs) the other four. (laughs) Um, Undoubtedly, Ikram Aliskarov and then Farid Basharat probably have the highest ceiling of everybody from this card. I mean, fair. Bruna yeah. Brazil, though, you know, that's a women's fighter. I think she definitely showed a lot with that knockout. I mean, that was that was really good. So I shouldn't count her out there. But Ikram and Farid felt like, I mean, that Ikram guy feels like he could fight top 15 competition, like, right now. Well, I mean, Noah, remember, his only professional loss ever is to Hamza Chemaev, if that tells anybody anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. And, I mean, I don't think he should fight top 15 right away, but I feel like he could. Yeah, um, yeah. But I'm actually going to go with Trevor Peak. Um, I love my man, My man from the state of Alabama. <laughs> and he got his ass beat for about two rounds. Broke his jaw. He broke his jaw. <laughs> he broke his jaw. And then he went out there in round three. And he fucking put the hurt on Malik Lewis, man. Mm. He made him pay for all that shit that he took in round one and two. I mean, this dude, it was so weird. He was getting his ass kicked, but he felt like the pressure fighter the whole time. Like, I think, yeah. it, I think it was wearing down Malik Lewis more to punch Trevor Peak in the face than it did for Peak to actually take that those shots. Like, he didn't yeah. even look busted up or anything. Yes, of course, broken jaw. I mean, that's pretty serious, but... Overall, considering the amount of, of damage he took, it didn't really show. On the outside, think, yeah. <laughs> which, which, again, I don't know what kind of ceiling this guy's going to have, right? You know, you take that kind of beating. But I do agree with giving him a contract because oh, yeah. I think that show, we, we, tell, we always talk about, Dom, whenever we're talking about some of the most dominant fighters 
in the UFC or when they're on the come up, right? We talked about this with Kayla Harrison over in the PFL. Like, yeah, you want to see these people get tested, see how they face the fire. Like, how do they yeah. face adversity? This guy showed a lot right here by just doing that. Now, again, will he have the skill to really go tip for tap with some of these guys in, in the UFC? Time will tell. But I liked what I saw here. I, I enjoyed the heart. I just really enjoyed the fight, the comeback. And the fact that he can – it's not a winning recipe long-term to be a guy that's known to take a good shot. I think we can all admit that. I mean, unless you're like Max Holloway, who up to this point is still like yeah. one of the best fighters in the world, but he takes an unbelievable amount of shots – it doesn't ever get finished, which, you know, knock on wood, hopefully it's eventually going to catch up. But for this guy, what I really like about what I saw was like, he doesn't wear it. Like as far as sure. I mean, if he gets hit enough, like he's probably going to go out, you know, it's going to happen. But like you look at the Diaz brothers, when they get hit one time, it's like they start bleeding, right? All that scar tissue build up. This dude looked like he could still go out on the town and like, you know, Nobody would even know he'd been in a fight, really, like, at the end, for the most part. Like, he, his face just looked like it didn't really wear the damage. So, right, right. Um, it's kind of a weird little medical analysis I just did there. But, you know, I think that does mean something. And um, so I just really enjoyed that fight. Of course, like, should I have talked about Ikram or Fareed? Maybe. But, you know, another another day for those two. There you go. Uh, let's get into a little bit of a tidbit. Dominic, if you don't mind, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we had a pretty important press conference in the art of boxing this week between the fight that had just gotten announced between Jake Paul and Anderson Silva. Dominic is very happy. I put that on the sheet today. Yep. Um, but we're not, but he, this, surprisingly, Jake Paul wasn't the star of the show, Dom. Good. It was. <laughs> Now, maybe he was. I didn't watch the press conference. But yeah, we don't know. <laughs> as far as the clips that were going around our world, yeah. Jake Paul wasn't the star of this show. Yeah, It was my man, Anderson Silva, and the host of the event, Chael P. Sonnen. Mm. So, Dominic, mm. as a major Anderson Silva fan, and has turned into, yeah. despite at yeah. one time him being your most hated fighter, you are now an avid YouTube listener of the Chael Sonnen channel. Yes. I have to know your thoughts with the interactions here. God, it was just so wholesome, man. It was it was my favorite MMA video to surface of the year, dare I say. I mean, it, I just they had that interview late last year, the very beginning of this year that was super wholesome as well, but then this one just took it up a notch. They're in person, they're hugging, and uh, Anderson's talking about, why, did Chael, why didn't you come to my barbecue? Chael said, man, I thought your wife still hated me, yada, yada, yada. And then he goes... And you wanted me to come to Brazil? Anderson, my God, it looks scripted. Like, it was just beautiful the way that he executed this line. He goes, oh, Brazil? Oh, no. No, they'll, they'll kill you in Brazil. <laughs> you got to do it here in America. That was absolutely hilarious. And just the laughter, it really just took me back in time, Noah. Made me feel like a kid again. I love that two of the guys involved in one of the biggest rivalries in MMA history and UFC history can now be so respectful and so fun with one another. And just, they really realize how important their rivalry was. And I think the company's history and they have so much mutual respect because of that. You just have to love an interaction like this. 
give me your thoughts. Yeah, I got to talk about the quotes Chael had and some interviews he did. After yeah, see, the I didn't conference. see these. I mean, just the for a guy like him who's really built himself, you know, he really took the reins on his career, a career that was sort of flailing at one point in time, you know, very talented fighter, but a guy who just wasn't getting the exposure, the wasn't win- he wasn't winning at a rate enough to really compensate for his lack of personality or whatever. This man kicks it up a notch, starts doing a lot of stuff that you hadn't seen in MMA. Takes a lot from pro wrestling, right? Doing stuff mm-hmm. on the microphone, doing a lot of call-outs. He's really talking the talk in his build-up to, like, Anderson Silva both times, you know, all that. For him to kind of do that and then post-retirement be so humble about it, even though he's really made himself who he is, is kind of great to see. And I thought that held no truer than in some of these quotes from these interviews, um, quotes like how on this idea that him and Anderson's careers are just always going to be like intertwined. He agreed and said that he felt like once Anderson Silva's career dies, that his would die with it. Like that, you know, and I don't know if that's true. I actually don't think it's true. I think Chael's done enough post-retirement to really kind of make him deserve more than that yeah you know he's not just in one of the biggest rivalries of mma history i think a lot of people know him now as a personality outside of the sport as maybe they do as a fighter at the time so um i think though that for him to be that humble about it and for him i think that just shows the connection those two have that he feels that way that like those you know that anderson being still active and combat sports and still giving it his all is somehow keeping Chael's career going too. Yeah. I don't know. That's something very poetic about that. Mm-hmm. And then the quote about, you know, despite all the hospitality and the fact that they are now good, you know, they're friends now, they get along well now, there's a lot of mutual respect. Uh, he said, I'd sign the contract to fight Anderson Silva right now a third time. And I don't oh. know why I love that so much. Like just, even when you retire, he's been out of the game for a long time. He's moved on to greener pastures. Still got that dog in him. He still yeah. wants that one back. So yeah, for sure. So don't, uh, I would I would almost guarantee, almost similar to the end of Rocky Three, if Chael Sonnen ever went to a barbecue at Anderson's house, you'd get that little. You remember the ending of Rocky Three where. Apollo and Rocky are in the, the boxing. They have like a, they they were one and one, right? And there are mm-hmm. two boxing fights. So then they were in. Um, I think it was Rocky's, like, or maybe it was the gym or whatever. But they had a sparring match as like their third fight. Mm. So that's the ending of the third movie, where they're like, you know, it's sort of in fun, but it's like, all right, we're really gonna go at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I could see something like that happening at the barbecue if Anderson Silva has like a cage set up somewhere on site. So I love it. I love it. Fight announcements. Mm. MMA fighting reporting that we will see a rematch for the women's flyweight title as Bellator flyweight champion Liz Carmouche makes her first defense against the very woman she took the belt from, Juliana Velasquez. Uh, This is happening December 9th, Bellator 289, the event after the one we're going to in Chicago. Uh, Is this the right choice, Dominic, to run this one back immediately? Yeah, we had that discussion, seems like forever ago, when the first fight happened. You kind of brought it up to me, and uh, it just, if if there's not another number one contender that's going to solidify it, 
then why not run it back? Juliana um, had, but she defend one I time before she lost it. Yeah, and it was, was a, really a lot of people close fight with Denise yeah. Fields. Yeah, and a lot of people thought that the stoppage here for Liz to get the belt was controversial as well. So again, why not run it back if Liz is especially down to do it? So Juliana gets a chance to get her belt back. Let's see. Yeah, and I mean that's also the first fight Velasquez was clearly winning up to yeah, that true, point, true. and then she just got caught in a pretty bad position. I wasn't too mad at the stoppage. I mean, it's definitely early, but it really felt like she was stuck. Like I, didn't, yeah. I didn't, it's been a while since I've watched it, of course, but it really felt like she was kind of – she might have ate a few more, but it was going to get stopped either way, you know. So, right. Um, I'm, I'm, I am glad they're running it back, though. You know, of course, I'm not a big advocate for immediate rematches, but – if the circumstances make sense, it's all fluid, right? Like, you know, mm-hmm. it's all on a case-by-case basis. So this division didn't really see the need to have anybody else in there. So why not run it back? I think it's still a pretty – it's probably more of an intriguing fight now. You know, you've kind of shed off – the first fight, Carmouche was, like, really surging. And Velasquez had that kind of weird title defense where mm-hmm. she didn't look as dominant as we were hoping she would. So it was kind of a lot of questions going in. But ultimately, Velasquez felt like a pretty heavy favorite, and then she ends up losing. So now there's different questions. Was it a fluke? You know, now it's not so much about the surging contender who's aging, of course, has never won the big one, going up against the young, really athletic stud of a champion. Now it's a little bit more like, can she avenge her weakest moment where she was caught in a very compromising position? Was it a fluke? Did the refs, mm-hmm. was it too early? Would, would she have been able to get out? There's now that story is going to be really kind of be the theme of that, of that fight. And we'll get those questions answered. I would assume. There you go. Next one, a fight that was already scheduled coming up here in a couple of weeks has now been rebooked, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That was the October. Yes. So I guess maybe a month from now, I should say, was when it was yeah. originally booked. But uh, Jared Cannonier and Sean Strickland will now main event December 17th, UFC Fight Night. This was first reported by Helen Yee. So I don't remember what I said about it when it was announced the first time. So if I'm being a hypocrite, hey, don't say I didn't warn you. But I like it. I like the main event. I think I liked it before. I hope I did because I do like it now, you know. It's not the main event like how I've been advocating for, where I'm advocating for these guys who are kind of in need of that kind of positioning, you know, guys that need that exposure to really get to the next level. These two guys, Cannon Air coming off a title fight loss to Israel Adesanya on one of the biggest fights cards of the year. Sean Strickland was on that very card on the third fight in a very big fight with Alex Pajara. That was kind mm-hmm. of a number one contender fight. So... Neither guy needs this moment here, needs this fight, but in a way, maybe they do go five rounds, try to get the get back on the winning ways. And you know, Sean Strickland's been a bit of a hit or miss in terms of the excitement of his fights. You know, the build up tends to be more fun than the excitement because you get a lot of kooky interviews from the guy. But for Cannoneer, he typically has put on a lot of good performances, but probably the stalest of those was his last showing against Adesanya. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of guys, a lot, both guys really looking to redeem themselves here. 
I, I, again, couldn't have said it better. We've already discussed it once. I gave my thoughts on when it got denounced, where I thought should happen with Jared. Well, now we know Darren's fighting Drickus, so why not just rebook it? And here we go. That's the last event UFC-wise of 2022, by the way. So The last fight of 2022 will yeah. be that one. Yeah. So let's talk about more UFC Vegas 60, the rest. Shall we? Yes. Co-main event, Chidi and Jokuani taking Uh-oh. on Gregory Rodriguez. This one seems like a bit of a banger, does it not, Dom? I sniff a little bit of violence here in this one. No, I think this is going to be an absolute banger. Chidi is undefeated in the UFC. Um, he's on the Contender Series. Gregory's 3-1 and one in the UFC. He did lose his fight on the Contender Series. These guys don't know to have a, how to have a boring fight, especially Gregory, because we've just seen him a little bit more than Chidi, but Chini's came in and had two knockouts to start his UFC career. Four straight knockouts if you go outside of the UFC and on the contender. The dude's a problem. Gregory's a problem. Problem is, I'm using that word a lot, Gregory's insanely durable. Chidi, though, has been finished six out of seven times. What's going to give here, Noah? Because something's got to tell me. I have a hard time feeling out this fight. Like <laughs> there I, ain't going to be no feeling I out. I love I love Gregory Rodriguez. I mean, I, of course, we've seen more of him, and I think he's looked great. But it's gone against my better judgment. Like he, every time he fought, I feel like I almost feel like I've been trying to fade the guy with the way my betting's gone. I, I went with the Cuban Missile Crisis in, their last, in his last fight, yeah. and he made that one look pretty easy. Yeah. And then you look at like his fight with Daun Jung. Where he was on the absolute ropes. The absolute ropes. I mean, that man was seeing Jesus. He was so fucking hurt. <laughs> yeah. And somehow came back just almost similar to like the Pat Barry Czech Congo. The way Czech Congo looked when he knocked out Pat Barry. That was how Gregory Rodriguez was throwing punches at the yeah. end of that fight. That was a fucking amazing fight, by the way. Go watch that one. Yeah. But I feel like Rodriguez is very good. And his record replicates that. Like, he's very much on a run right now. But I don't know how good he really is. Like, I could really see Chidi coming in here and just, like, starching him. Yeah. But then Gregory is very durable. And he does seem to just kind of find a way to just to just get the fight more in his favor. You know, Chidi and Jokowani might be new to the UFC audience, but this is a guy who's main evented Bellator cards. I mean, he's yep. really been in the game a long time. And I didn't even know the six out of seven via finish for his losses. Very interesting from a betting perspective. I'm just saying, but yeah, um, yeah. I think it should be a really fun fight, though. Either way, yeah. If it go, if it goes long enough, could be the front runner for fight of the night. Yeah, very true. How about the veteran Andre Touchy Feely taking on Bill Algio? Yes, I like this. I like this, Noah. Bill making a quick turnaround after a very dominant showing against Herbert Burns, uh, what, a month, two months ago? Not even two months ago. Andre was that who fought last? Yeah, it was that, that very the fight crazy. Herbert Burns, like, kind of quit? Like, yeah, Yeah, okay, crazy. I forgot Bill was the one fighting him. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting fight, but continue. Yeah, yeah and uh, Andre looking to get back to his winning ways. Three-fight winless streak. Hasn't won since, I believe, 2019 or 2020. Uh, but he's still only 32 years old, but he has 18 UFC fights. That's just mind-boggling stuff. A true veteran, and that can go a long way in a fight against Bill, who's only got five UFC fights. He did lose to Brendan Lochnane on the Contender Series as well. I feel like right now, 
still a high, higher ceiling for Algio, but is that going to be enough to get him through this fight against someone that is so much more seasoned than him, has been against so much better competition? That's the biggest question mark for me in this one. Yeah, Bill Algio is a slight underdog as we're recording right now, mm-hmm. and I think that's pretty fair considering Algio has looked better as of late. If you go off their last performances, there's no doubt. You know, Andre yeah. Keeley got very quickly finished it was a very surprising result in my opinion mm-hmm. while i mean bill algio has been the real deal i mean he's really he's really avenged that kind of subpar start where he lost to brendan lockdown who didn't even get a contract that night for yep. the contender series by the way and has really been a very solid guy in the ufc so i think on the other hand though andre feely been much more battle tested against yes, some of the better of this division. I mean, this guy, he fought Bryce Mitchell a couple of years ago, not even to mention the names he fought previous to that. Um, he's still a, he's still a name for sure. He's still a guy in this division, but in terms of where they're going on their, you know, if you have the, the line graphs or mm-hmm. <laughs> don't know if I'm saying that right, but it feels like, you know, the uh, feely starting to trend downward just a little bit. And Algeo's trending upward just a little bit. So and will it be enough to where they meet in the middle and have a very even fight? Maybe. Or maybe mm. Algeo's already better. Or maybe Feely, being the more battle-tested guy, is going to be better. I really just did a good job of naming every possible result right there. So that's <laughs> how you do it. you got to do it. <laughs> that's how you sit on the fence, everybody. That's so right. That's really my way of saying it's a tough fight to predict. I mean, I think if you follow us, which we'll plug to social media in a little bit, but... If you follow us when we give out our picks on Friday or Saturday, I think you will notice that I am leaning Bill Algio here, and I think part of that's just because if Feely was the underdog, I may put it on Feely. Like, I feel like it's a pretty close fight, but just whoever the underdog was is going to be the one I'm going to ride with for this fight. That's kind of how I feel about it right now. I agree. Then we got to talk about Joe Piper. I wasn't sure about putting this one on here, but I mean – you Joe Piper has a bit of a moment right now. He's kind right. of in this in this space where he is kind of the most recognizable name from this season of the Contender Series. I mean, Dana White gave him the golden goose. I mean, he gave him the rub to be like be like Joe Piper. That's yep. been something that stuck with everyone from week one. And it was a great showing there, don't get me wrong, but I think if Dana hadn't said what he said, if it hadn't been on such a underwhelming card around it, it might have just blended in with a lot of the other great performances we've seen. Yeah. But he has a moment right now because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people are paying attention to him. He's on the main card here. He's going up against Alan Amadovsky, who's 0-3 in the UFC. Mm-hmm. If he comes in here and he does what Joe Piper does, if he bees like Joe Piper, the bees, you know, whatever. <laughs> but if he really goes in there and does that, you know, we might be – I'm not saying the guy's going to be like a star, but we might – be building a bit of a name for a guy like Joe Piper. Yeah, Dana White really is all about him, man. They're giving him a main card spot as well. I mean, all of this is due to his performance on a night that I think they're very they much needed to see paying the favor back. He yes. saved that card, or you know, and he was the one shining yes. moment of that first card. And I think they really loved what they saw. They loved the attitude, the the passion, and they're paying him back, giving him a big spot. Like, okay. Dana already kind of gave him the rub. They, he gave him that shine. He said, be like Joe Piper. 
So now he's got to go out there and show who Joe Piper really is. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely the case. He's nine years younger. He's going to be four inches taller. He's going to be a bigger man. He's a guy that's finished eight out of nine fights. Allen has been finished in his last two fights, and he is on a three-fight skid, as Noah alluded to. So he hasn't held his all when he made it to the biggest MMA promotion in the UFC, and I say the biggest because he was 2-0 in Bellator. So it's just Mm -hmm. a very interesting career for him here. But if he loses to a debutante, that's 0-4 in the UFC, Allen's fighting for his career here, Noah, inside of the yeah. company. And we know, much yeah. like a wounded animal, what they can turn into Dangerous. when they feel threatened. Yes, yes. Next up, probably my, maybe my most anticipated fight on the card um, outside of the main event. Damon yeah. Jackson taking on Pat Sabatini. Again, not a fight that's going to blow the doors down and get everybody tuning in. But you really should start to recognize these guys more. These are two guys... Highly slept on in the, is it the featherweight division these two are yes. in? Or what? Yes. Yeah. So Damon Jackson, really good submissions. And Pat Sabatini is a great wrestler who also has good submissions of his own. Mm. Um, I think we're on a crash course for a really interesting battle on the ground, perhaps. Or maybe they cancel out and then we get to really see what these two are made of on the feet. But I do have a feeling with their two styles being so different and how they operate on the ground, I think someone's either grappling or wrestling is really going to take over here. And maybe it won't be the most exciting fight, but we're I think the winner of this fight's got to be getting close to that top 15. Yeah, and especially for Pat Sabatini here. He's 4-0 now in the UFC. Um, he has guys like Paul Felder that back him and are highly believing in his skill set and his talent. Um, he is in lackluster fights, I guess. But if you're like, he's not like a boring guy that's just going to lay and pray either. He does work for finishes. He has 12 out of his 17 via stoppage. But the problem is three of his four in the UFC are decisions. So I, I just, the way Damon Jackson fights, I feel like it's going to be exciting. I mean, these guys have yeah. 25 combined submissions. And I do like your point. You feel like someone's grappling being that they're very different down there once they're on the canvas, someone is going to be able to really display dominance, for lack of a better term. And yeah. I do think it can be a one-sided showing for the winner of this fight. It's it's a fascinating one, a very good matchup, very great matchmaking, but a one-sided outcome is what I do believe is in the future. And because of that, I'm, I'm just saying, guys, kind of like the prop bet to do for this fight to finish via submission. I mean, I'm just yeah. throwing it out there. We'll see if I end up actually putting something on it. I'm sure I will, but um, I have to look at the odds and see how that looks. But you get my point. Like it's Right. I think that there's a good chance, despite the fact that probably, I don't know if either guy's been submitted in their career, to be honest with you. I don't have my notes mm. for today, but... I'm not sure if either guy have been, but again, with the styles being so different, I think they've typically been in fights where they've had the edge on the ground. So right. when they're not the one, when they're not the one swinging the hammer, are they going to be the nail? You know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Last one, and I'm actually surprised at myself for putting this on. Me, there. I was stunned, Noah. But you got to talk about two top ten women's bantamweights here: Aspen Ladd and Sarah McMahon coming in at number seven and number eight. And really, the reason I put it on here is because I've been somewhat critical, humorously critical, right, of my of Aspen Ladd. You know, she's not been had a great run as of late. Yeah. She was really primed for a spot. to. She was bubbling on that contender status. I mean, she was ranked as high as number three, I think, at yeah. that point. She yeah. main evented a card with Jermaine Durandamy, 
that didn't go great. Um, I feel like I'm about to sneeze. Nope, I think we're good. Hey, don't forget the main event with Norma Dumont either, by the way. You know? Yeah, the main, so then the main event with Norma Dumont, of course. Yeah, it wasn't originally supposed to be there. Uh, Aspen Ladd missing weight and all that stuff. It's It's been a tough... Yeah. <laughs> it's been a tough, especially last year or so for yeah. Aspen Ladd. Now, Dominic has been someone that at least started when that run first kind of started. I felt like you were definitely more of the Aspen Ladd apologist. You were mm-hmm. a, quite a big fan of her for a while. Saw her potential. She was young. She was looking very good. I uh, was really close to that. Again, that contendership status. I want to know where you stand with Aspen Ladd right now. Because I'm kind of, with this fight, despite being 7-8 and eight in the division for her and Sarah McMahon, they feel miles away from like a title fight. Like yes. Yeah. They just feel like, I mean, I'm talking football fields away from a title fight. Yeah. But you are someone that has been high on Aspen Ladd before. As an Aspen Ladd fan, or previous fan, I don't know, the question is, where's your relationship stand right now? Yeah, she's made it a little gray, Noah. Um, I I really did when she was at that number three spot and on that win streak, and she's finished three of her four wins in the UFC by knockout. She really looked legit, but she's lost two in a row. She's had weight misses. She's had lackluster fights. The fight with Norm Dumont was awful. The worst main event of all of 2021 for the UFC. So just things aren't going in her favor. Like Noah said, a bad last 365 days, to put it lightly. For Aspen Lad, can she bounce back here? I'm going to say she has no choice but to bounce back, Noah, or her career is definitely in the gutter. And I have to bring out this stat because you don't see it often unless it is, you know, a Jake Paul boxing fight. <clears throat> but the age difference here, 14 years, Sarah McMahon, 41 years old. Aspen Lad's still only 27. So, again, I part of me wants to believe in Aspen. I want to be that fan again. Dare I say, no, I even wanted to bet her in this fight, but I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. I'm not going to do it until I'm proven otherwise. I have to see if any of that old Aspen lad when she was coming into the UFC is still there. And this is a game opponent. This is a seasoned veteran, been there, done that, fought them all, had a big upset against Carol Rosa. Didn't think she was going to get that done, and she got the win, McMahon, that is. So we'll see. Don't be surprised here. If the old veteran number or age forty one comes out and starches the young lion, well, that's a bold term, but you I get would, the point. I know I would completely agree with you. I think I'm, the odds are coming here at some point, but I would I don't know what the odds are, but if Sarah McMahon's a pretty heavy underdog here, I mean, I'm just saying. No, it might As- sprinkle. Yeah, I mean, look, Aspen Ladd is definitely should win this fight. She should be the more talented, the youth, the you know, that should be a factor here, right? But I think there's a a growing issue that I just don't know if she's can make 135 pounds anymore. Yeah, man. I think part of her struggles, yes, the weight miss is on there, but some of the lackluster performances I think have to be due to her just gutting herself to even get to that weight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's just, again, I, I don't know what the right answer is because like she's, well, what's the answer? Go to one forty five. Well, not a division. <laughs> so I was surprised when I read this was a Bantamweight fight. Cause I really thought she might just not be able to do it anymore. 
this will be look we're gonna find out we'll have the weigh-ins tomorrow <laughs> from when you're watching and yeah we'll, we'll really see because you know when she fought macy she wasn't she the one that missed weight for that or i don't really you know, know who missed weight they might have both the, missed the timeline's been crazy <laughs> yeah this, but you know she had the thing wasn't she the one that had her coach that people were all mad at because i don't it's been a long road with Aspen. Like we can't even remember all of it anymore. But she has a chance to kind of get back on track here. Yeah, no, just for you, you know, you're the better, right? Um, Sarah McMahon plus one hundred eight per points bet. Yeah, I was hoping it was a little more. If I'm being honest with you, as I, I would be, I would feel more confident. I don't feel very confident in this fight. But if yeah. McMahon was like a plus one fifty, I'd probably jump on it. So gotcha. Well, we might tread lightly right there. There you go. But uh, we're going to transition into the point of the show where we would normally talk about our below average bet slip. But you guys can get those picks in advance before the card if you follow us on social media. At the Bajma, the yes. B-A-J-M-M-A. Mm-hmm. Or you can follow myself or Dominic on Twitter or Instagram. Dominic at Deasley14. Myself at Noah Todd Baker. Yeah. And we will put those picks out Friday or Saturday. I'm giving Dominic a buffer there. It was Saturday kinda last depends. week, so it kind of yeah. depends on the schedule. But yeah. um, we put those out before the card. So if you're interested, I would normally make the joke about fading us, but if you've been trying to be on that Bajma fade, you've been losing a lot of money the last couple of weeks. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we like to keep the good vibes rolling. Yes. And uh, hopefully we can have another big week. Back-to-back weeks where me and Dominic were able to combine forces, come together, and win some fucking money. That's right. That's right. But, Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here, and that's with the little thing we call closing statements. Mm. It's the point of the show where we can talk about anything and everything, MMA-related or not. So, Dominic, for this Thursday edition, do you have any closing statements? Even last or on Monday when I was failing, I was struggling. I ended up getting a question out, but today I really may be stumped. I have one for Sunday or for Monday's episode. We record on Sunday, but today I think I'm going to put the pressure on you, my friend. I don't think I've got anything to muster up. I don't think I do. I'll think, but I don't think I got anything. You've really been, you really just decided to put a couple really hot button food topics out there. And then you just retired basically. Well, yeah, well, you know, we had the bread one, but that one wasn't so hot and I've not had any since. Uh, yeah. That's uh, okay, man. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, you see, you did it. You, you put food in my mind. Now I got one. I re- guys closing statements is the furthest thing from scripted. It comes as we're recording. It really does. This is a big topic. I don't know what's going on, you know, in the world right now, but it's kind of always there. This is always a topic in the food world, in the pizza world. Noah, it's a simple question. Oh, I know what you're going to ask me. It's a simple question, and I think I even know your answer from our rendezvous. Yeah. Does pineapple belong on pizza, Noah? Tell me if so. Let the people know. Well, I'm going to answer this like a politician and then I'm not going to answer the question and I'm simply going to talk in circles for the next <laughs> 10 minutes. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Pineapple. Hmm? Well, we're waiting. Absolutely 
belongs on pizza. Yeah. Guys, I was a doubter. Same. I used to say for fucking years that I hated pineapple on pizza when I had never even had the damn thing on a pizza. Same. And then something changed. Yeah. We brought the boys to Bowling Green. Mm. We sat in Dominic's living room. I think it was for UFC 229, Connor Habib. Uh, we said biggest fight of all time. Well, we're ordering <laughs> the most pizza of all time. We had pizza from every restaurant. We had said. literally there were delivery drivers passing each other on the way to Dom's apartment <laughs> off the stairs. Yeah. And we decided to get a Hawaiian pizza. See what it's like. And I'm telling you guys, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Is it my go-to? No. I mean, right. I'm a big... I'm Same a big, way. like, meat lovers or, like, a deluxe. Like, I love just put like put a bunch of shit on there. Yeah, yeah. But if you give me some pineapple and ham on a pizza, it's good. Devour. Yeah. It's good. And I would actually question anybody who thinks otherwise. Because I know it's a very, this is a very heated topic, Dom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, it's like a 50-50 split. And usually the people on one side think the other people are psychopaths and vice versa. If you do not like pineapple on pizza... I simply believe that you have the taste buds of a child. Is that Those, might be, fighting. Those, might, Those be fighting might be fighting words. words. They might come after me now. Are you really going to try to debate food with a guy my size? I mean, that's the question I pose to the audience. Don't even don't even try to pretend like if some little skinny dude, some dude looking like a flagpole motherfucker, tries to come on our comments and be like. Ugh, pineapple doesn't belong on pizza. Like, who the hell do you think you're talking to? <laughs> they built damn pizza places near my house because they knew the big fella had to eat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm glad I pressured Dominic into having a closing statement because I have nada. Perfect. So, I'm Noah Baker. That's Dominic Slee. We are but two of the below average shows. And we'll see you guys on Monday. Yes.